You're listening to BetQL Daily, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook, with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Welcome back. BetQL Daily, presented, as always, by FanDuel Sportsbook. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Thursday. Uh, as we get set for Wild Card Weekend here in the NFL, we'll do um, a dive into the NFC games. Uh, a lot to get to here, but right now we got to go out to the Roman guest line. And joining us is our guy Chris Mack, Fan Morning Show 93.7, the fan of Pittsburgh. And BetQL Five Star Weekend, which starts this Sunday, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Very excited to hear Chris there and excited to hear his perspective right now on the Roman guest line. Chris, welcome back to the show and uh, the team you cover and talk about every day, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, before we get to anything else, before we get to this game, how shocked are you that we're having this conversation right now? Are, are you shocked that they're in the playoffs? I mean, think about all that had to happen last weekend for them to get there. Uh, how shocked are you we're even here, sitting here, having discussion about the Steelers on Wild Card Weekend? Uh, I Shocked is putting it mildly, Joe. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about a team that I guess going into the season we all had pegged as a as an eight- or nine-win team that might sneak into a wild card spot, but with all the warts, uh, that they have, as Mike Tomlin would put it, uh, we didn't expect it to happen. And certainly didn't expect them, even if they somehow pulled it off in Baltimore, we certainly didn't expect Carson Wentz and the Colts to fall on their faces down in Jacksonville. So thank you, Carson. <laughs> uh, thank you, Daniel Carlson. Uh, thank you, Rich Passaccia, for actually uh, going for the win in Vegas on Sunday night, even if Mike Tomlin fell asleep during it. Uh, the rest of us are excited that we get another week of football and another week of Ben Roethlisberger, too. And I think that's part of what um, excite Steeler fans this week, even as they're kind of dreading what may be coming on the field in, in the way of a beatdown like the day after Christmas. They're also excited that really there's nothing to lose at this point. Chris, I promise during the conversation, if it sounds like a personal attack, it's not. It's just this This is the tough spot. Even Ben admitted what we should be, uh, what, we're 20-point underdogs or whatever. Uh, Steelers, it's not only against tougher teams. It's just felt like the last month and a half that they, they've chosen not to participate in the first half. Why do you think that is? Why, why can't they get any points on the board in the first half? Well, a lot of it, I think, has to do with the fact that they're not getting what they thought they were going to get from Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator. You know, he was really brought in here. And look, uh, full disclosure, uh, freezing cold take for me, I thought it was a great idea to promote him to offensive coordinator because of what we saw from him his year here in Pittsburgh with the Pitt Panthers and how creative he was capable of being with the offense. But that's all fallen flat this year. Uh, and look, whether it's because of the limited uh, abilities of Ben Roethlisberger at the age of 39, because of uh, a patchwork offensive line that hasn't really until maybe the last three or four weeks started to show anything, um, it, their offense has struggled to, to get out of the gate, and it's tough to watch. And it's why they are in danger of, if they play anything like that uh, on Sunday night, of you know being down 27 at the half again like they were the day after Christmas, um, it, this has got to be all about for them uh, leaning into Najee Harris, knock on wood, he's able to go, uh, and leaning into T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and the defense and hoping they can flip that 3 nothing turnover ratio from the first game and maybe even get a score on defense. Everything's going to have to go right for them to somehow pull this off, but I still think the spread – uh, is a little too much. I think that's overreacting a little bit to what we saw on Christmas Day, or the day after Christmas, pardon me. 
Chris, the Chiefs have gone on a really great run here, winning nine of their last 10, but they're not the best team against the spread. And maybe Big Ben is right. They should be 20-point underdogs, but they're not. It's 12 and a half. Could you see a situation where maybe the Chiefs are just happy getting a straight-up win and the Steelers do cover? Oh, yeah. I mean, Aaron, you got Andy Reid yesterday saying the Steelers are playing like a one seed. I know he's just blowing smoke to try and get his guys to dial in. <laughs> Um, but, I mean, that's a little extreme, Andy. Come on. I don't one even seed believe in what? that. Come on. A, a one seed in the Sun Belt Conference? Come on, Andy. Chill. Um, so, like, I, I mean, look, I think Kansas City is going to go in, I would think, with the killer instinct. I think they're going to look to do what they did last time out. My question would be, what happens with Andy Reid? What happens with Patrick Mahomes? What happens with the Chiefs offense if, for some reason, they don't immediately get the results like they did? Uh, in that last game three weeks ago. Let's say they go to the half and, I don't know, they're only up 14-6 to six or 14-10. to 10. Uh, Does that change things? You know, do the Steelers maybe pull out something from the bag of tricks and really leave nothing behind? Because, again, they should lose this game by two touchdowns, right? Uh, that'll be interesting to me. Um, if the Chiefs don't immediately jump out, you know, the way they've squashed the Raiders the two times they played them, the way they squashed the Steelers, uh, if they don't immediately have control of this game, what's the reaction then? We're talking to Chris Mack, 93.7, the fan out in Pittsburgh, and, of course, uh, with us on the BetQL Network. So I, I saw this number, Chris, a few weeks ago. I think it was before the first Kansas City game, so it's changed a little bit. But Tomlin was 41-23-2 against the spread as an underdog as the Steelers coach. We've seen this, and we've seen this story many times. Mike Tomlin's an underdog. That's when I like him better as a coach, when they're not supposed to win – what, what, give us give us something on, on Tomlin, what they've been doing this year, specifically these spots where they're not supposed to win. Buffalo week one, the Green Bay game where I, I thought they had a real chance to win that game. It was that weird call on the, um, on the field goal block. Give us some thoughts on Tomlin this year in these spots where they're big underdogs. How have you felt he's coached this year in those spots? Well, I think it's interesting, Joe, because he's also a guy that is known amongst real hardcore ardent Steelers fans as a guy who once a year will have what, what they call around here is the Tomlin special, where they go maybe out west to a, a place like Oakland back in the day or somewhere else, you know, Arizona before the Kyler Murray era, a place where they're favored by double digits and they end up laying an egg and losing outright or, or getting a, a real close scare. So it's funny how in games that are where you've got these big spreads, Tomlin shows up and his teams show up seemingly reacting to – the storylines that come with a line like that, right? Like, you've got Ben Roethlisberger saying, oh, we don't stand a chance. I mean, we'll just go out and have fun. Um, you've got guys feeding off of that this week, I think, whereas they've been guilty at times of doing the opposite when they are the double-digit favorite. You know, you think back to the divisional round game against the Jaguars a few years ago when they got absolutely roasted by Blake freaking Bortles. I mean, you know, they have a, a tendency under Mike Tomlin of – playing to the level of the line, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. And in that number that you, you rattled off there, I think that that lays it out perfectly. And again, that's why I look at this game from a, from a handicapping perspective. Sure. I, I, I would, the, the Chiefs win, I would not be surprised at all. But I also wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers kind of do what they did against the Ravens and they hang around, hang around, hang around, and make it interesting in the end. And that's not a 12-and-a-half, 13-point game. Well, if your Steelers are going to hang around, you need one of those T.J. Watt 
just wrecking the game performances. Uh, do you, are you expecting that if they're going to hang around? And uh, how disappointing was it for him not to break the record? I know it was personally disappointing for him. Uh, they appealed to the league to try and get that overturned, and the league basically said, sorry, it is what it is. Uh, I think Elias basically said, that's, that's what it is. It's an aborted play. No sack for you. Sorry, TJ. Um, I'll be curious to see if that serves as any kind of extra motivation for him, not that they need it during the playoffs. Um, what I, I do think is interesting in the realm of T.J. Watt against the Chiefs this weekend is that three weeks ago when they played, he didn't really show up. I mean, he was dinged up. He was less than 100% at the time, only played about 50 55% of the snaps, and had one tackle. So if you get at least an average performance from T.J. Watt this Sunday against, against Kansas City, it will be a vast improvement over what we got from T.J. three weeks ago. If you get the kind of performance we got like a couple weeks ago on Monday night against the Browns, four sacks, terrorizing Baker Mayfield, and I understand Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield are different animals, but you know, you get that kind of performance, strip sacks and all kinds of stuff like that, that's the kind of thing, to your point, that can flip this game in the other direction. Follow him on Twitter at the Chris Mack. I follow you on Twitter, and I couldn't help but see, you know, you were at Big Ben's last home game. You got that up-close and personal video of him walking around in the tunnel with his family. Just tell us, you know, what that moment was like for you. Um, you know, as someone who was very, and we all remember what Ben Roethlisberger was like when he was young, right? All the stuff that came with it. All the off-field nonsense. And as someone who was very hard out against Ben in those moments, it's been something for me. Look, I'm 42 years old. Ben Roethlisberger is only three years younger than me. And it's been interesting to – and I'm not trying to get too esoteric or cheesy or in the feels or anything like that. It's been something to watch him, and it's not appreciated, I don't think, outside of Steeler fans or Western PA, to watch him mature over the last 15 years. Yeah, he's had his moments where – He's thrown a receiver under the bus on his radio show, or he's maybe uh, said something he shouldn't have in a media availability. But I think for the most part, we've seen a guy who was this close to the edge of kind of throwing it all away, turn things around. And it's interesting, again, for someone who's similar to him in age, to think back to all the stupid stuff I did when I was that age. And just imagine what I would have been like uh, on the south side of Pittsburgh, where all the bars are hanging out in my early to mid-20s if I had been a two-time Super Bowl-winning quarterback, right, of the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'd have been a jerk, too. Maybe not to the extent <laughs> Ben was, but, you know, it's something to watch a guy grow up and mature, and I think that storyline has been lost a little bit by the national media. I'm not blaming anybody for it. It's hard to compartmentalize some of the things that he was accused of doing when he was young. And I, I get people that will never forgive for that, but to watch him sort of walk off hand-in-hand hand with his wife and his kids I thought it was a very poetic sort of bow to put on the, the package that we thought was going to be the end of his career at that time, but we keep getting these, these extra moments now. Uh, I'm, uh, listen, Chris, we're curious to get your thoughts on the other games as well here, specifically the AFC games, because you know these teams so well, and you've seen them this year. Let's start with the first one. Uh, Raiders-Bengals mm -hmm. Saturday afternoon. Uh, obviously, you were locked into the Raiders game, maybe more than Mike Tomlin, who fell asleep last Sunday night, he said. But uh, Raiders-Bengals, and you saw that team twice in Cincinnati, including a blowout last time the Steelers were there about a month ago. What's your thought on this game? And Burrow's been unbelievable the last month, and, and here come the Raiders uh, with some momentum into this game. Yeah, and where did this thing open? I want to say three in some spots, and now it's all the way up to four and a half. I think that's the way to go. I think it'll probably continue to grow, and I think um, the Raiders coming in, traveling east, 
I know that doesn't necessarily hold true for all the teams from out west, but the Raiders traveling east on a short week, playing on a Monday, then having to turn around and play on a Saturday, I think all signs point to this going the Bengals' way. You know, what happens to Cincy when they move on another round and have to play a stiffer opponent? Um, maybe they start to get a little bit of that, you know, feeling themselves a little too much and the young guys make some mistakes they shouldn't, but I think they handle business against the Raiders and cover. Uh, Chris, uh, you've got Sunday morning, uh, 8 to 10 a.m. right here on the VetQL Network. People can watch on Twitch as well. So you'll have uh, all that information on Sunday before those games. But of the other four that we have not covered, uh, which one do you have the strongest opinion on? You know, I think eight and a half is too much. Uh, I know I know how Joe feels about this. I don't know if I'm going all the way with the Eagles' money line on this one, but I think eight and a half is too much on Sunday afternoon. I think the Eagles, uh, there's some recency bias in there from, from people who look at the Eagles and the way they got handled by the Cowboys on Saturday night and don't take into account the fact that how, how many starters didn't play on defense? Hurts didn't play. Uh, that, was, that was a preseason version of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm not saying, again, that they're necessarily going to pull off the upset, but I think they go down to Tampa, and with all the injuries in Tampa, all the moving parts on offense, um, I, Tom Brady, I think, gets out of there with the win, but I don't think it's more than a five- or six-point game. That's the one that jumps out to me more than anything else. What about any totals or props? Is there anything you might be looking at? You know, I, I, I have a hard time believing New England-Buffalo doesn't go under, right? Like, it's it's going to be five degrees on Saturday night in Buffalo. The wind's going to be blowing a little bit, so it'll feel like it's about five to ten below. Uh, I don't expect Bill Belichick to go full on like he did last time, Mac Jones only throwing the ball three times. But I really do question whether Sean McDermott is going to be prepared for whatever Belichick might throw at him. And if that's the case, and he gets Josh Allen out of a rhythm a little bit, gets him doing some things maybe they're not comfortable doing, and again, I don't know a wide receiver in the world that likes to catch a football, especially a rocket like Allen throws, in sub-zero temperatures. So I would suspect that Belichick keeps it close, keeps it tight, keeps it low scoring, and that's definitely an under I'm going to hit. Uh, Chris, one more thing. we got about a minute left before we go, and it's something that I've always heard. You know, Mike Dicka, he was my hero growing up, and then Dave Wanstead's the Bears head coach for quite some time. So I always heard he's a Pittsburgh guy. Oh, you know, he's a Pittsburgh guy. What does that mean? I think more than anything else, it means he doesn't suffer a lot of BS, you know, and he's going to be straight up with you. Like, Dave Wanstead um, would never, baptized in the same church as Dave Wanstead, by the way, little tiny St. Wendell's. Wow. Um, anyway, yeah, so Dave is never going to um, – He's just going to shoot it to you straight, for lack of a better way to put it. And that sounds like a cliche. Uh, people fall into thinking that the Pittsburgh thing is you got to be blue collar and you got to have dirt under your fingernails and wear your car hearts to Sunday dinner and all that kind of stuff. But it's not. It's, yeah. it's more about, you know, I don't have time for BS, man. It's kind of like, you know, we're not all that, although we'd hate to admit it, we're all, all, all not all that dissimilar to our friends five hours to the east in Philly who really have no time for BS either. We just want you to shoot it to us straight. We'll shoot it to you straight. We'll just be a little friendlier than those guys from out in Philly, I think. Right, Joe? Yeah, I don't know about that, Chris. But, man, we appreciate you hopping on. Enjoy the game Sunday. And we'll be listening on um, your show, 8 a.m. Sunday morning, right here on the Beck UL Network. That was our guy, Chris Mack from 93.7 Fan. What does that on mean? The Roman.
guest line. Not unless Chris is a friendly guy. Just like our no, Pittsburgh. I'm asking what that means for um, your end. I don't know about that. Well, I mean, are, are you Pittsburgh ripping people, Pittsburgh? Or, yeah. Are Pittsburgh people friendlier than Philadelphia people? I don't know. How do you gauge that? How do I know yes, that? They are. No, I, I'm not. I, I'm not sure about that. Joe, oh, Joe G. Aaron Hawks from Becky Well Daily, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. We'll dive back into Patriots Bills on the other side, right here on the Becky Well Network. 